Join me as we prepare our hearts for worship by reading responsively, the responsive reading printed in your bulletin and will be on the screen as well. For remaining silent when a single voice would have made a difference. For each time our fears have made us rigid and unaccessible. For each time we have struck out in anger. For each time that our greed has blinded us to the needs of others. For the selfishness which sets us apart and alone. For losing sight of our unity. For these and for so many acts, both evident and subtle, which have fueled the illusion of separateness. We forgive ourselves and each other. We forgive Amen. Good morning. Welcome. We're glad that you're here this morning and welcome you in the name of the Lord. We uh, are grateful for your presence with us. It's good to be together in God's house to worship God with one another and to fellowship with one another and with God. Uh, a few announcements I'd like to call to your attention this morning. First of all, I'd like to remind everyone of the attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to Put your information on there, your name, address, and phone number, and whatever information you feel comfortable giving us, we'd like to have that so we could have a record of your attendance with us today. And also, especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter that comes out every Thursday, it gives, us, uh, it gives you a, a, an opportunity to see the, the opportunities we have at Community Baptist Church opportunities for worship and study and service and fellowship, uh, please be sure to put your email address on there, and we'll be glad to put you on the list to receive that, uh, that e-newsletter that comes out each week. Uh, as many of you know, uh, we are having our Valentine's banquet tonight at 530, and it's not too late to get your name in. Uh, if you have not made a reservation yet, uh, you, can you can still do so. Please let Christine know after church today. Uh, so if we need to order some more meat, we can do that this afternoon. But that's 530 this evening. And we hope that you can come and, and be a part of this time of fellowship. 
And also a part of this will be our auction. You see the tables that are laid out uh, on the back corner. Uh, this is a, a, a time and service auction uh, where people are donating their time and their, uh, their talents to, uh, to auction off skills that they have. And there are a lot of things back there, a lot of opportunities. So let me invite you to take a look back there and, um, and put your name on one of those, uh, on one of those lists to, uh, to purchase one of the skills that are available for us to auction off. Uh, also, uh, we are going to be having our blood drive. Uh, we do this several times each year, and that will be this Wednesday at, um, starting at 2, is that right? Starting at 2 o'clock. And uh, as, as Jika said last week, because of the bad weather that we've had all across our nation uh, in the past month or so, uh, they've had to cancel thousands of uh, blood drives. And so the Red Cross is in desperate need of blood. So if you can possibly be here to give blood on Wednesday, uh, please do so. You can see Jika for an appointment. She'll set up a, an appointment for you, or you can walk in on Wednesday, and, and we'll, uh, we'll put you in there. So uh, we just hope that you can be a part of that. We are glad that you are here, and we welcome you in the name of God, and it's great to be with each other. And let us share that love for one another now as we stand and greet one another in the name of God. If I can invite our children to come forward for our children's moment. Right over here. Ms. Royce will be leading us in our children's moment. Come on forward, children. too but I'm up here you guys can come on up with me don't make me be scared all by myself you think that's funny today I hear Dr. Tim's going to be talking about how to give it to God giving it to God is a very special thing because when we get scared we can give it to God and I knew for a while that I was going to be coming up here today to talk to you guys and to share with you but I didn't know what I was going to talk about. And honestly, last night, I was still trying to figure it out, what I was going to talk to you guys about and to share with you. But I always ask God to help me out. And at 10 o'clock last night, while you guys were probably already in bed, I was still asking God, what am I going to share with these kids? And I didn't know. I'd gotten on the computer, and I looked and I looked, and I still didn't know. Finally, I told my husband, I said, you know what? I'm going to bed. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to let God take care of it. He'll give it to me, and I'll know in the morning. So I went to bed. Before I fell asleep, God told me what to share with you guys today. I have a present here, and I'm going to give it to Jerry. Stand up, Jerry. Stand up. Here, this present's for you. Take it. I'm giving it to you. It's all for you. I want you to have it. Why aren't you taking it? 
What do I have to do for you to take it? I have to let it go? Letting go is a big part of giving it to God. When we give something to God, we have to let it go. We can't hold it ourselves. I can't keep that present and give it to Jerry at the same time. I can't give my worries to God and hold on to them myself. Because if I'm holding on to them, am I truly giving them to God? Am I truly giving my pain to God if I'm still holding on to it? No. I have to let it go, just like I had to let that present go when I gave it to you. One of the ways that we have to learn how to let go is by being close to God. And how we get close to God is by praying and reading the Bible and getting to know him very closely. And we pray to him every day and we read our Bible every day. But when we go to school and we have problems like uh, the teacher pulls out a test that we weren't expecting or we fall down in the playground and hurt our knee and then we go home and the dog gets out and we have to run over the whole neighborhood trying to chase him down and then our parents tell us to clean our room and then they serve us a dinner we don't like and they have vegetables on our plate that we don't want to eat and they tell us we have to eat it all or we're not going to get our dessert and then there's our favorite movie on TV but we have to go to bed early and we have to miss it these are things that wear us down and stress us out but we can give it to God. And when we give it to God, we recharge ourselves. We get brand new inside. I have a cell phone here. And I need to call somebody. But it won't come on. Why do you think it won't come on? That's right. What do I have to do to make the battery... I have to charge it. And when we get close to God, we're recharging our souls, our spirits, our hearts. And that's how we learn to give it to God. We have to recharge ourselves in God's spirit and in God's love. So when you have something that's bothering you deep inside, or you have a hurt or a pain, or somebody made you angry, pray to God. Go to God in prayer, read your Bible, and give it to God. But what must you do first? You have to let it go, right? When you give it to God, don't forget to let it go. Let's have a prayer. Lord, I thank you for these children that you've brought to us. We know that there are the open doors to your soul. We know that through them, your heart is just abundant with love. We know that they are our next generation for you to reach the world. We pray that you will open their hearts and open their souls to the teaching of your word today. We pray that you teach us how to renew our soul, recharge our souls, recharge our spirits. Learn, teach us how to let you teach us how to give it to you and let us know how to let it go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I have one more thing. What's tomorrow? I have a Valentine for each and every one of you. Thank you. Once you get your candy, please go see Mary. Okay. Sit down. Once you get your candy, sit down give one to somebody that doesn't have one. Uh-oh.
our scripture today uh, is about two things that I think are two of the biggest weaknesses that we as humans face. It's anger and temptation. And as Royce talked to the children about we need God's help in turning those things over to him and letting go of them. Our scripture today is Matthew 5, 21 to 30. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. Let us pray. Most gracious God, we come to you today and lift our hearts in thanksgiving and praise for all the many blessings that you give us each and every day. We ask that you prepare our hearts to receive your words from Brother Tim this morning. We pray that you will strengthen each of us as we struggle to overcome our human weaknesses, such as anger and temptations. We know that all good things come from you and that if we truly come to you and ask for your help and ask for your strength, that we will persevere. We ask that you bless each and every person here. Be with Brother Tim as he brings us his words today. And we pray that you will be with us as we go forth into the coming week and help us to always show the world the presence of Christ. Amen.
us pray. Our most gracious and kind Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time of worship. We thank you we can come to this building, Father, and feel your presence. Father, we thank these people who come out today to offer their time and their talents and their tithes, Father. Bless each and every one of us. As we go into service, Father, we ask your blessings upon Brother Tim as he brings the message to us, Father. And always, Father, forgive us for we fail thee. In your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>
I hope that God's grace still amazes you. It does me. How many of you are familiar with the Darwin Awards? Anybody familiar with the Darwin Awards? A few people are. Uh, The Darwin Award is a dubious award given to people who do something really stupid. And it it costs them their lives. And the reason they call them the Darwin Awards is that by offing themselves in such an absurd manner, these misguided recipients have inadvertently improved the gene pool for all of the rest of humanity. It's a, it's a cynical view of life, but it's led to a collection of stories that are both bizarre and true. For example, there's the story of one Darwin Award winner named Christopher. He was a 19-year-old from Michigan, It seems that Christopher had spent the evening partaking of a large quantity of alcoholic beverage when he noticed a shortage in his liquor supply. And so in his muddled mind, he concluded that his neighbor had stolen a bottle of his liquor. And so with a knife in his hand, he went to his neighbor's house to no avail. And then he returned to his own apartment to brood about his revenge, and he continued to drink. Finally, when he was thoroughly sloshed, he figured out the perfect way to get revenge on his liquor-thieving neighbor. It was a perfect plan. He would stab himself and then blame his neighbor. A witness testified, that he saw Christopher go into the bathroom while he was calling 911. And Christopher calmly informed the dispatcher that his neighbor had just stabbed him. Witnesses said that, that Christopher looked fine when he came out of the bathroom, but a moment later, spurts of blood were coming from his chest, and suddenly he began screaming for help. This, the dispatcher heard a woman shout, Why did you do this? And he collapsed at the door of his apartment. Deputies arrived quickly, but Christopher had already bled to death from two self-inflicted stab wounds. The first one apparently didn't look dangerous enough, so he tried again. And the second time, the knife plunged into the left ventricle of his heart, and that did the trick. He was dead in less than two minutes. The ironic thing is that his plan to frame his neighbor was a complete failure. A witness confirmed that the neighbor wasn't even in the, in the apartment. And so all Christopher got for his attempt at revenge was dead. Could anybody actually be that dumb? Well, apparently so. Notice that he had been drinking a lot, and drinking has that kind of effect on some people. It makes them do some really stupid things. But I think a better question to ask is whether anyone could get so angry over a missing bottle of liquor that they would actually hurt themselves in order to get revenge and try to hurt someone else. And the answer, again, seems to be yes. People make mistakes like that every day. Think about how many people who feel that that they have been slighted in some way, carrying carry around a grudge for years and years, and, and generally the only person that they hurt is themselves. Well, Jesus, as usual, hit the nail squarely on the head. You have heard that it was said long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be liable to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be liable to judgment. If you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And anyone who says you fool will be liable to the fire of hell. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, and if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there and go. First be reconciled to your brother or your sister And then come and offer your gift. My friends, Jesus' point is very clear here. Don't let your anger fester 
and grow. Act quickly to get rid of it. Kent Crockett tells about Sam and Jacqueline Pritchard, a couple who, were, who started receiving mysterious phone calls in the middle of the night. The person on the other end of the line never said anything. After a long pause of silence, he would just hang up. And so the Pritchards changed their telephone number to stop the calls, but the, the stalker changed his tactic. Instead of making phone calls, he started sending obscene and threatening letters, and the problem escalated. The couple discovered that their house had been daubed with paint and their tires were slashed. The Pritchards became prisoners in their own home and spent a small fortune on a, a security system. But here's what's puzzling. They had no idea at all what they had done to deserve such treatment. After about four months of this, they finally met the perpetrator. Mr. Pritchard caught James McKee, a 53-year-old man, while he was damaging his car. And as they were looking at each other, Pritchard asked McGee, Why are you doing this to us? And McGee responded, Oh, no, I've got the wrong man. McGee thought that he was terrorizing a different man named Pritchard who had been spreading rumors about him. He found the Pritchards in a phone book and assumed that, that the husband was the one responsible for slandering him, but he was terrorizing the wrong Pritchard. What an absurd turn of events. But you know something? Anger has a way of doing things like that to us, doesn't it? It blinds us to reality. It blinds us to consequences. It blinds us to the irrational harm that can come from our rage. And so for your own best interest, if you are angry with someone, let it go. Act now before you cause yourself or anyone else any harm. And the same thing can be said of temptation. Jesus continues in this passage and says, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, I suspect that Jesus is indulging in a little hyperbole here. At least I hope so. I don't think that Jesus really expects any of us to gouge out our eyes or cut off our hands, but the principle is the same. Do not let sin take root in your heart. For you see, the consequences of sin can be tragic. Andy Andrews, in his book, Mastering the Seven Decisions that Determine Personal Success, tells a story about a wealthy industrialist in the 1920s. The man was said to have single-handedly controlled a vast portion of our country's prosperity. And so this wealthy industrialist purchased a zoo. It was not a public zoo. He had no desire to to share it with the public at all. It was his own personal private zoo located on his own estate for the pleasure of him and his family. National dignitaries were sometimes invited to come and visit the zoo, but the rest of the population was, was shut out. The man collected animals from all over the world, and it was not long before his zoo was one of the most complete collections of animals ever known. But then one day, this man heard about a rare and and beautiful gazelle from Africa. No zoo had ever obtained one of these for their collection. And so naturally, this man became obsessed with the idea of becoming the first to own one of these amazing creatures. So he mounted an expedition to Africa where he contacted the, the natives there and to learn about the animal and where it might be located. Over and over, he was told, you'll never catch one. They're too fast. They're too strong. You can shoot them from a distance, but you'll never get close enough to capture one. 
Well, this made the endeavor even more appealing to him. He told a reporter who was on the safari with him, don't listen to them, I'll get as many as I want. And he did. Here's how he did it. When his men located a herd of these gazelles, he poured out some sweet feed, a blend of oats and barley rolled in molasses, and he poured it out on the ground in an open area in the middle of the night, and then he left it. The next night, he scattered the feed again, and for two weeks, he spread the feed night after night. And, and, and of course, the animals came in, and, and they ate this delicious concoction, and Then on the first night of the third week, he scattered the feed on the ground again and he sank an eight-foot pole into the ground 20 feet away. Then the next night, he scattered the feed again and he sank another post into the ground 20 feet in the opposite direction. Every night, he added a new post and, and then he started putting boards between the posts while scattering the feed in the middle. And six weeks rolled by. He continued adding posts and boards until he had a a corral built around the feed. And every night the gazelles would find the gaps between the posts and come into the corral to feed. And they seemed to be oblivious to the fact that they were gradually being closed in. And so finally he watched one night as the entire herd of gazelles squeezed in through that final gap And he moved in behind them to nail the last board in place. The animals were trapped inside the corral. He then proceeded to choose the animals he wanted to take back to his zoo. And he let the others go. When he was asked how he knew how to catch these gazelles, he said, I treat animals the same way I treat people. I give give them what they want. I give them food and shelter, and in exchange, they give me their beauty and their freedom. Well, folks, this is the way temptation works. We are drawn in little by little until a fence is built around us. It may begin with a glance, a casual remark a phone call or a text, and eventually heartbreak. So do not let sin take root in your heart. Whether it is the sin of anger or lust or whatever it may be, get rid of it. Act quickly. Let it go. But how do you do that? Well, the best way to let go of those negative, hurtful emotions or desires is to give it to God. Give it to God. And as as Royce was saying a minute ago, in order to do that, you've got to let it go. Don't try to handle it by yourself. You can't do it. You're not able to do it. Let God help you get straightened out. Leslie Duncan once told about a dog that he had when he was a young child. He said his father would occasionally test the dog's obedience by placing a tempting piece of meat on the floor and give the command, no. The dog knew that he was not to touch that piece of meat. And I'm sure that the dog desperately wanted to go for that meat. But he was placed in a very difficult situation. To obey his master's command or to disobey. Duncan said the dog never looked at the meat. He seemed to feel that if he did, the temptation would just be too much to handle. And so what the dog would do was to continue to look steadily at my father's face. Then Duncan made this spiritual application. He said there's a lesson here for all of us. Always look into the master's face. Now that may sound a bit simplistic. But it's also true. The best thing that you or I can do when we are tempted by anger or lust 
or by any other hurtful emotion that comes up in our in ourselves is to keep our gaze firmly fixed upon our faith. If you have committed your lives to Jesus Christ, then you know what is right and you know what is wrong. You know what is life affirming and what is destructive and so don't even allow yourself a glance in, a, in the direction of, of that which would pull you or someone else down. And pray. Pray with all of your might that, that God will help you to, to deal with your anger or deal with your lust or deal with your spiteful tongue or whatever else there is that in your life that could blemish your reputation and cause harm to someone else. And if you've already gotten yourself into a bad situation, remember this. God is a God of healing and reconciliation. So there's still hope if you are willing to yield your anger and your temptation to God. Years ago, Dr. Charles Sheldon sat on the side of a hill at Winona Lake with about a thousand other men listening to a speaker tell his life story. Here's what the man, the speaker, said. He said, 25 years ago, I was in a bar in Chicago. I was not dead drunk, but I had been drinking all evening, and I was pretty well under the influence. And since I ran out of money, the I kept drinking until I ran out of money, and then the barkeeper threw me out into the street. And so I, I got up and I started for Lake Michigan with the intention of drowning myself. As I went along, I said to myself, I'm useless. I spent my last cent on alcohol. I'm separated from my wife. I've committed nearly every crime in the state of Illinois except for murder. I don't have a friend in the world, and I might as well just end it all. He said, I passed by an open door on Clark Street, and without knowing why, I went up the steps and into, the, into that door and into a hall that was filled with men and women. It was the Pacific Garden Mission. I went stumbling down the aisle all the way to the platform where a man was speaking, and I fell down right there in front of the platform, and I, and I lay there in a drunken stupor. But the man on the platform just kept right on speaking. When he had finished and the people left, he, he came down and he lifted me up and, and he took me into a room and put me in a clean bed. And I slept off my drunk and woke up the next morning sober. I had a bath. I had a good breakfast. And I don't have time to tell the whole story, but in that Pacific Garden mission under the ministry of Colonel Clark and his wife, I was soundly converted by the Lord Jesus Christ and I became a new man. The man up on the platform paused for a moment and he said, tonight I plan to take the evening train into Chicago and tomorrow night I will be speaking on that same platform in front of which I lay drunk 25 years ago. I will preach the same gospel to fallen men and women that Colonel Clark preached to my salvation. I am reconciled to my wife and we are living happily together. I have a good job. I have money in my pocket and more friends than I can count. Tonight I'm one of the happiest men in the world because by the power of Jesus Christ, I have been born again. The man up on that platform was named Harry Monroe. When he died 10 years later, it took all day for the men and women that he had helped bring to Christ pass by his casket. He was one of the most useful men that Chicago had ever known, says Dr. Sheldon. Yet if any one of us had seen him that night when he was drunk in that bar, we would have said, let him drown himself. He is of no use to anyone. But my friends, the power of God laid hold on Harry Monroe and made him a new man. And folks, let me tell you something. When sin has its grip around us, 
the worst thing that we can do is to depend upon our own willpower or our own ingenuity or our own strength to get us out of it. At a time like that, we need the power of God to come into our lives and to make us a new person. But the important thing is for us to act quickly before you cause yourself or anyone else any harm. Because, folks, too much is at stake. So ask God for God's help today. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn, Search Me, O God, number 297. And this is a hymn of response. And so if you have any response to to the words of, of God, to the moving of God's spirit, then this is the time to act. There may be someone who has never made a commitment to Jesus Christ, and you would like to do that today to say yes to the power of Christ. Perhaps there's something in your life that you need to turn over to God. And it's time to let it go, to get rid of it, hand it over to God and let God take care of it. Today's a good time to do that. If you need to make that commitment to Christ, I hope you won't leave here without making that commitment. Maybe you're looking for a church home to be a part of. We invite you to unite with our church family today or or maybe you just need some a time of prayer we invite you to come and we will pray god is dealing in your heart in any way we invite you to come and share that as we sing together search me O god would you come Let us bow for our benediction. Go from this place as God's children. Remember the words that were spoken here. Review the hymns that were sung here.
recall the prayers that were prayed here. Rely upon the fellowship that is known here. Reverence the Savior that is worshipped here. Recollect the blessings that are found here. And respond to the spirit that was met here. Until by God's grace we return here through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.